And we're live. Welcome back to another episode of the Wheelie Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again by Electrex Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we've got a number of interesting stories this week from a diverse group of vehicles. Everything from um, new Yamaha concept electric bikes to e-bikes designed by women for women to uh, self-balancing electric motorcycles, BMW's new low-cost motorcycle is is headed to production. Uh, we've got a review of a tiny car from France and more. So where are we going to start this week, Seth? All right. Why Yamaha's wild new electric bike has two-wheel drive. So normally when we see these all-wheel drive or two-wheel drive uh, electric bikes, they're sort of, um, you know, big, heavy moped looking things, you know, a thousand watts in each wheel. But Yamaha has come out with this concept for an all wheel drive bike that looks a lot more like a sort of traditional um, lower power pedal assist type electric bike. It's a bit of a mashup here. Um, it's ostensibly a mountain bike the way they describe it. And the reason that they say they're going with this two wheel drive setup is for off-roading, that you get that extra traction when you're climbing over obstacles, going through loose terrain, that sort of thing. But uh, there's there's a weird combination of parts here. Uh, the the frame is, is fairly mountain bike styled. We've got uh, that nice through-axle um, inverted uh, front suspension fork. But then it's almost like a utility bike in that it's got front and rear racks built in. And the handlebars seem to be off of like a, a racing road bike. Not only are they drop bars, but they also have aero bars. You can go into that like, you know, super tuck, like fists in front of you situation. So it's a weird mashup there. But, you know, the real kicker here, it's that uh, all-wheel drive setup. So the way they accomplish that is that they've got a typical mid-drive motor, almost certainly one of their Yamaha mid-drives powering the rear wheel, but the front wheel gets its own hub motor. And uh, it looks like it's one of those through-axle hub motors, which are more, um, you know, more robust. They're probably significantly more expensive, but it's not one of these cheap off-the-shelf Bafang-style hub motors. So it's a, a pretty interesting-looking design. This is a concept. So um, in this one we're looking at here, this is another one of their, their e-bikes they rolled out. This one's not uh, all-wheel drive. This second one is a more dedicated mountain bike that's got uh, its own new mid-drive setup, and it claims to have electric power steering, which what? I don't know how they are. Yeah, right? Um, I mean, I've never had a problem turning the handlebars, so I'm not sure the the design direction is there. But at least for the all-wheel drive bike, I get it. I, I think, Seth, you and I have both ridden all-wheel drive bikes before. There's there's something sort of fun of, of out of feeling um, you know, both wheels spinning. But uh, this one, it, what's neat is that, like, yes, it is a concept bike, but everything here seems quite practical. You know, it's it's a frame that looks like they could actually produce it. It's not like one crazy CNC thing. Um, all of the components seem to be fairly, you know, off the shelf bike components. Nice parts. Mm -hmm. um, some of them doubled, or in the case of the headlights, quadrupled up. So there's a little overkill there. But everything here seems producible. It's not like a crazy you know, outlandish design. So even though it's a concept, Yamaha could potentially make something like this in the future, though the sort of road meets mountain meets utility is, it's not quite, I don't know. It's not quite checking my boxes. I don't know about you, Seth. Yeah, I don't, I don't 
see myself in this bike. Um, it does look a little like it's, I mean, there's something obviously wrong with it and that's that it's got drop bars in the front and it's like a, the mullet of bikes, drop bars in the front <laughs> and a uh, mountain bike in the back. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I would want something like this. Although, you know, this could be like a heavy duty gravel bike, I guess, sort of. Um, super heavy duty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, I think if you put, you know, I was kind of looking at this bottom bike for the handlebars. If you put these handlebars on this thing, I think it would make a lot more sense. Um, and we've seen a, a couple of, um, all wheel drive, uh, bikes and I think they, they do well, I, you know, I, I don't always think that a second motor is needed. Um, usually one's enough, especially uh, if you have a you know pretty powerful one. Um, one thing I do like about the all-wheel drive bikes is that that extra weight in the front um, is not great for steering, but it's great for uh, keeping the, you know, the, the, the front down. You don't really have a wheelie situation too often with that heavy front wheel. So, um, you know, there's pluses and minuses for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like almost everything about this bike, but I don't think I'm going to be in the market for a combo, uh, road bike, mountain bike, all wheel driver. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. The good news is they have time to refine it a little bit. Um, I think they're showing it off next week at a, a big uh, mobility show in Tokyo. So uh, that's going to be the big debut. And then they'll, they'll be able to do a little, uh, you know, revision to some of this. Yeah, Fred is actually going to be at the uh, Tokyo mobility show. So maybe we'll have him get some oh, yeah? ride time there. Yep. Nice. All right. Uh, uh, moving on. The first electric bike designed by women for women. So this is uh, an e-bike. It's called the Maven Cargo, um, and it, it comes with an interesting story. So um, the designer of this bike um, is a woman named Laura Belmar. And so she started this company after going to the Taipei Cycle Show and meeting with, well, she described it, um, thousands of bike industry contacts, but she said she didn't meet a single female on the buyer or brand side. And so she wanted to start uh, an e-bike company and design a bike with the female perspective. And uh, so the way, uh, the way she explains it is that the, the design of the Maven here is, uh, quote, so that women and shorter riders can confidently carry cargo. It's built for sharing. This cargo e-bike meets the specifications of taller riders and veteran cyclists. So the goal is that it can both be a you know, short stature, um, generally female-friendly bike, but that it can expand up to fit taller riders as well. And the way they've done that is a few ways. Uh, first of all, there's a telescoping and dropper seat post. So the bike is designed so that you can lower that seat like super way down. Uh, it's also got 20-inch wheels and a really low uh, rack so that everything is below 24 inches tall, uh, including those 20-inch wheels. Then the handlebars are super adjustable as well. So if you're a shorter rider, you can drop those down. If you're a taller rider, you can bring them up. You can adjust the reach. And so basically anyone from, I think they said the range was five foot zero to uh, six foot seven. It's about 152 to 200 centimeters, which is a super wide range for a single e-bike. And that's generally been the, the design goal here. Um, other than that, I mean, really there's not that much special about the bike that's you know unique to other cargo e-bikes out there. 
Uh, it is a dual battery bike, which is nice when you see these, um, you know, cargo bikes that are built for carrying a couple kids, a lot of cargo. It's always nice to see a dual battery option because that's what really cuts into your range is when you're doing a lot of acceleration with a heavy load on the bike. So two batteries is nice. Um, you know, hydraulic discs, brakes, that's nice. Uh, dual crown fork up there for uh, carrying those heavier loads. But other than that, I think they're uh, three-inch uh, fat tires or sort of balloon tires. So everything else is pretty standard. But really, it's that um, you know the dropper post, the super adjustable handlebars, and the really low center of gravity here. And that's what I think is important. Um, here at the bottom there, I use my wife as, as an example because I'm sort of like a dude mansplaining bikes for women here when... Um, from my own experience, it helps me to think about my wife where when I put her on these like taller Dutch bikes, it's harder for her. But, um, when we went to, uh, Amsterdam and she tried this, like basically elderly bike, they called it. And she was like, this is perfect for me. And so, um, you know, having that lower seat pedal forward design, the whole center of gravity being super low, she was really happy with that. And she's uh, 160 centimeters. It's like five foot three. So as a shorter female rider, like every time I put her on a bike that I just take for granted as being fine, she struggles. And so, uh, you know, I, when I look at this bike and I try to think about who it's meant for, I try to like picture it from her perspective because, um, you know, a lot of us that, that come into this from like a male dominated uh, cycling perspective, we're just used to throwing our leg over anything and like, yeah, we'll make it work. But when you're five foot two, like you can't just make any bike work. Uh, and Seth, you're a lot taller than me. So I imagine you like you haven't really thought about this as well yeah i i I don't uh you know i I selfishly kind of think of hey is this bike good for me and and not so much uh my wife who's around the same height as uh, your wife so uh perhaps that's you know if you get a bike that's easier to ride uh you'll get a somebody who wants to go riding with you more often so that may be a thing i was thinking um you know, she's, she mentioned that there weren't any other female bike uh, owners or uh, entrepreneurs. But um, we know uh, Lynn from Carbo. Um, she's kind of the mastermind of that, that uh, bike company. Um, and, you know, also that bike goes pretty low as well. But, you know, this, this, is, a, this is a great bike, um, great looking bike. As well, it kind of in the same vein as the, um, you know, like the Rad. Um, didn't didn't they Rad wagon? Rad wagon. They released the size of the wheels on that last time around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like. the the most recent update dropped it from I think it was twenty to the twenty four or twenty six down to twenty two. I think. Yeah. So um, I think I don't know. I think the world is kind of hearing that, and and you know the twenty inch wheels are making it easier for. Um, shorter folks to uh, get on bikes that are comfortable and, and easy to use. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely good luck for this one. Uh, I like the the idea behind it. All right, uh, moving forward, uh, Bird launches improved new electric bikes, ditching the Van Move like design. Yeah, so if you guys remember um, Bird's original bike, it was launched a couple of years ago. Uh, we all kind of laughed that it was like basically a copycat of Van Moof's design. And so now that Van Moof is basically no more, when they 
just updated the new bird bike, I guess they had to update the design as well. So now we've got a, a very different frame design here, uh, but there are some other differences as well. It goes you know, a bit deeper than that. Um, a few things, the battery has been updated to be uh, larger. Now it's a 48 volt, 10.4 amp battery. Um, so it's about 500 watt hours before it's a 36 volt battery. So already, you know, we're getting more power from that 48 volt battery. That's great. Um, also it's UL certified and that's a huge issue these days. Um, both the battery and the entire drivetrain. And those are two different UL certifications when it comes to e-bikes. So it's great to see that, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, vendors that won't sell non-UL listed e-bikes these days. Uh, there are even um, places, you know, college campuses, um, uh, building co-ops that, that say you have to have UL listed. Uh, New York City uh, now won't uh, allow e-bikes to be sold in New York City that are not UL listed. So it's great to see that as well. Um, it's, uh, there are a few other things that, you know, don't, don't inspire huge confidence to me for one, um, bird itself is not in the best financial footing though. It seems like this is more of a licensing agreement. Basically, it seems like there's two companies here, uh, trade hub and spring that have sort of partnered with bird to really develop the bike and, uh, and launch it. And bird is lending their name for the most part, which to me is fine because, if anything, that gives me a little more confidence that this isn't entirely dependent upon Bird. If anyone's been following their stock for the last couple of years, it's kind of cratered and they were recently delisted from the um, uh, New York Stock Exchange. So um, I think having a few larger partners in there is, is only going to help from that respect. Um, but the bike itself, I mean, if anything, I like this design better than um, you know the original Van Moofian one. I think it it doesn't look like a copycat. If anything, it looks a little more modern to me. And so I'm pretty happy with the the redesign here. Uh, it's pretty fairly priced. Where was it? Uh, $12.99. So, you know, for a uh, 20 mile an hour bike, um, 500 watt hour battery, I think this is this is pretty reasonable, $1,300. Uh, how long is Spurred going to be around? It doesn't seem like they've got <laughs> that much time left in their current cash burn rate. But just judging by the bike itself, I'd say either Bird or their partners there did a pretty decent job with it. What do you think of the redesign, Seth? Well, I was just actually uh, looking for the old bike. And and if you guys are watching us, uh, it's on the screen now. Um, they're actually selling it at a, one of our uh, affiliate partners, Bird, uh, sorry, Wellbots. They're selling it for $775, which is kind of crazy. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I don't know if they have a white one or a gray one. Yeah, but um, yeah, you can tell they have that um, top bar that kind of goes through and has the front and back lights like the Van Moof um, design. But that's actually a really good deal. I should probably share that with the 9 to 5 Toys team. Anyway, because <laughs> uh, I think it was like a 1000 before. So Yeah, enough. it wasn't cheap. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You remember when we had that uh, RCA uh, bike that you know wasn't really RCA? They were just kind of they sold the yeah. brand afterwards. So this isn't really a bird bike. This is kind of a, another company or another two companies in this case uh, licensing the brand. Um, but it might be. I mean, if if they're willing to do that, theoretically, they're they're you know pretty serious about building bikes here. So um, I won't I wouldn't write it off immediately and you know i think the design's pretty nice and you know obviously bird is a brand that people know so um cool glad they did it 
uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and if anything, I actually like this uh, step over design. Um, I mean, it doesn't look like the cookie cutter, you know, out of a Chinese catalog from an OEM design here. So I think, you know, whoever actually did design this did a pretty decent job and didn't just make a uh, standard white labeled e-bike here. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely nice. All right. Let's move on. Yamaha unveils new self-balancing electric motorcycle without handlebars. This one is just super strange. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to tackle this. It's kind of a head scratcher. Um, this is the uh, this is the second version of Yamaha's prototype here. It's called the Motoroid electric motorcycle. Uh, it's self balancing. It's got this really big, wide Y kickstand that'll lift up by itself once it gets rolling. Um, it's the steering. I don't entirely understand it to be honest. So the rear swing arm also steers um, because it, it's not just suspension; it pivots as well. So it's kind of got rear wheel steering. Uh, the front fork appears to steer as well. However, the handlebars are not connected to it. There aren't handlebars. There are instead hand grips that are fixed. So you're just kind of holding on to handles and somehow the fork steers underneath you. Um, it doesn't seem like your input is required or welcome, perhaps. Exactly. Um it's it's designed to actually be be riderless as well. So I think whether you're on it or not, it just kind of knows what to do. Um, and there's a mode that apparently follows you. So you can be like walking in front of it. And it's kind of like that. Uh, what's, what's that Boston Dynamics dog thing that, yeah. that follows you around? I don't remember. The I name. think it. Yeah, that's the kind of idea here, I think, is that it can be like a like a little companion thing that rides along next to you. I'm not sure why you'd need a two-wheeler for that. But like the whole thing here is just a bit wild. The engineering, I love it. It's really cool to see that like pivoting member in the middle that gives it rear wheel steering. But I don't know who this is for, why it is for them, or what like how they're actually going to produce this and sell it. I, this is one of those concepts that I think will probably never see the light of day, even though this is now the second version of it. But I don't know. Can you think of like a a use for this <laughs> no it just seems like uh something you hop on and hop off of um it does kind of so it, it reminds me that the handlebars aren't just for steering they're kind of for holding on and i almost feel like they should have handlebars for that purpose not just like these little bars sticking out of the side of the uh i guess the, where the fuel tank would be on a t on a traditional bike uh i don't know I mean, I, I get why you do things like this. It's a, it's an exercise in design and functionality. And maybe, you know, maybe the, the steering, uh, pivot point in the middle becomes something that, you know, is actually valuable or maybe people are eventually going to control their bikes like a joystick and like a pilot joystick like they have here. I don't know, but, um, yeah. As is. I what if think. it could be, yeah. What what if it could be like the robo taxi of the motorcycle world? That would be interesting. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and I, you know, I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, why don't robo taxis just have steering wheels just in case, like things <laughs> go bad? But maybe like taking the human out of the equation, you don't want 
a human to like grab the wheel and freak out because, um, you know, humans can do stupid things and, and theoretically the computer is going to be a better driver than the human at some point. So I don't know. I mean, I would, yeah, be... I would actually like to see Sorry, these man. things self-balance. I, I, I think I saw Corey Lewandowski, the, uh, the guy that bounced around from like Uber and Google a little bit. Uh, he, he built one of these, but I don't think I've ever seen one uh, working like a working prototype. Yeah. There's a company, um, I think somewhere in either California or the Pacific Northwest uh, called wheel that's mm-hmm. doing self-balancing electric bicycles. And uh, they've had a couple of videos and like, it looks eerie. Like it, like it's like uncanny Valley. Right. Ghost rider. Eerie. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Like it shouldn't be. <laughs> right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, BMW begins production of its lowest cost electric motorcycle yet. I'm actually really excited for this one. This is the BMW CE 02. It's, um, it's the company's second electric motorcycle of this series. BMW's done other bikes before there was the C evolution, uh, several years ago, which is more of a maxi scooter, but, uh, this is the first sort of low cost and I'm kind of finger quoting low cost here because I think it's in the, the high seven thousands, like uh, $7,600 or something, 7,700. Um, so for an electric motorcycle, that's actually quite reasonable for a starter motorcycle. It's, it's a little bit up there. You know, you can buy a, a gas motorcycle for 2,500 bucks, um, but for electrics, this is, this is like right in line with, um, you know, the CSCs, the rivet Anthem, um, slightly above what the Metacycle was when it was actually shipping. Um, but the design here I think is actually really interesting. They're absolutely targeting younger, more urban riders, um, trying to bring them into sort of the, the BMW fold here. And, and that's really what this bike is designed for. It gets up to about, I want to say 55, 56 miles an hour. So, you know, it's not a high speed motorcycle. You're not taking this on the highway. Um, maybe like an urban highway kind of thing, but, um, that's what it's designed for, you know, cruising around the city, um, college students, that sort of thing where you're going to campus, going back. Um, I mean, you could probably take this, you know, anywhere in New York. Uh, the range is, I want to say it's something in the, um, like high 50 miles, when you're doing, you know, slower speeds, obviously it's going to drop down a bit if you're pushing it up to top speed all the time. But as in uh, one of this new sort of wave of urban light electric motorcycles, it absolutely has what I think is a pretty cool design. And I could see this actually working well with uh, with this younger crowd. It's sort of like the kind of folks that want a Super 73 for that culture, but want it to go almost 60 miles an hour safely and, you know, have a motorcycle license and stuff this is the kind of bike that can fulfill that. If anything, the motorcycle that Super 73 is working on, the C1X, I think like this is kind of what they were going for. Um, And BMW seems to have achieved that. So the fact that they're now entering production, I think is huge. Um, Production is, uh, I think it's in Thai, was it Taiwan? No, it's India, I believe, is where this one's being produced. Really? Um, Yeah, and I think that, oh, that's right. Yeah, they're working with... um, TVS. So uh, it's being produced in India. Apparently it's going to be released in India at some point, which is a big deal because there's like, you know, a hundred to one market size in terms of India compared to the U S for motorcycles. Maybe it's more than a hundred to one, you know, like several orders of magnitude. 
Um, but this is coming to the US. It's going to be reasonably priced at like, you know, $7,600, $7,700. And to me, this is a, a huge deal because it brings a a well-known name, you know, BMW Motorrad into the US light electric motorcycle market where there just aren't that many competitors and the few that exist are really sort of younger startups or uh, independents like CSC. So to me, this is a, a really big deal. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when these are going to start delivering. Uh, all we know is that um, production has started. So, you know, great sign, but it's probably going to be several months before we actually get these things stateside, probably just in time for it to not be riding weather anymore is, is what I imagine. Uh, yeah, that's kind of happening soon here. Uh, the, the weather is getting colder, but this thing does look really, really nice. Um, I, I was getting kind of a cake vibe from it, maybe the, the middle midsection a little bit. Um, just yeah, it's like uh, if, if cake got like a bit younger kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks like a super neat bike. Um, looks easy to ride, like tons of different uh, rider types could jump on this. It's not pretending to be a bicycle. Like a lot of uh, low-cost motorcycle e-bike type combinations are trying to do just to become legal. This one's homologated. Um, it's going to be legal. Like you're going to have to get insurance on it. And you're going to have to get a driver's li- uh, a license plate and all the other stuff. But that's good. We need some of that stuff. And and obviously getting it homologated costs a bit. BMW is not a cheap brand, so uh, it's a little pricey. Um, you know, it's a little bit more expensive, but I think it's worth it. Um, do you have, uh, any kind of ride planned for this or is, are we still early stages at this point? Yeah, not yet. We don't even know when it's, uh, exactly it's going to be in the country yet. So it's, it's um, definitely no. going to the U S though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's coming to the U S. Um, and I believe the UK too, um, not a hundred percent positive on that. Um, but we do know the, the U S launch uh, and I just looked up the price. It is uh, seventy five ninety nine. So we have U.S. pricing as well. Um, and another okay. uh, to your point about you know that this is actually you know fully homologated. It's designed for for street riding that sort of thing. Um, the other upside of that is that unlike these sort of high power electric bicycles, this one you know you go to any BMW motorcycle dealer and you've got local service and support. You can go and try it out. It's not like you know when you have a Suron or a Talaria. It's like where do I get this thing worked on? kind of thing you know you've got the the full service and support of bmw's network which is a huge deal especially for someone who it could be their first bike which i think a lot of the market is going to be people that are sort of bike curious here and that wouldn't have considered themselves you know motorcycle people but find this to be much more approachable yeah so to get a license on this are you gonna is it it's not moped it's full-on motorcycle right yeah for most i mean it would vary state to state but i don't I can't think of any state that this would um, slide in under moped laws. Those usually go up to about 40 miles an hour max. Some places it's 30 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's a belt drive. So it's going to be quite quiet, I imagine. Right. Yeah. This thing is going to be very interesting. Um, the The design is also, so I think some of the concepts had this uh, like skateboard slung sideways underneath it. So yeah. it was like the foot, um, like footrest as well. Like this, I mean, the design, the, they, they put some, uh, some impressive work into this one. I think this is going to be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll stay tuned for that. Hopefully I have a review sooner than later. And then finally, um, we did 
the electric review on the tiny Sichuan Ami microcar, calling it just weird enough to work. And this was, you did this in Santorini. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So, man, this feels like a lifetime ago, but it was just the end of last month. Um, I was in Santorini, Greece, and um, I was there for like six or seven days, and we rented this uh, Citroen Ami. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing either of those correctly. So any Francophiles here, please forgive me for the pronunciation. But um, this thing, just to sort of go over what it is, it's what's known as a quadricycle in Europe. So it's kind of between the classification of a motorcycle and a car in that it doesn't meet full passenger vehicle regulations. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have airbags. It doesn't, you know, have the same sort of crash protection, but that means that it's a lot more affordable. It's a lot lighter. It's uh, like a thousand pounds um, is the weight. It's priced at something like uh, 7,400 euro, I believe, which is about $8,000. Uh, depending on the country, you know, there are different subsidies. Um, but, you know, functionally, it's it's basically a, a tiny car that doesn't actually qualify as a car. This specific model gets up to uh, 45 kilometers per hour, which is 28 miles per hour. Um, it's what's known as an L6E quadricycle. There's also L7E and they go up to, I want to say like uh, 80 or 90 kilometers an hour, like 55 miles an hour. So this one is a bit slower at 28 miles per hour. But the whole point is that it's a super convenient, you know, very small format car. So for someone who wants, you know, the the advantages of a motorcycle or a bike and that it's small, it's cheap, it's light, it, you don't need a big parking spot, this gives it to you. Um, but you don't have to, to have the same downsides of a car. That being said, uh, you know, there are some some compromises here. So, for example, I'm used to just being able to park anywhere with my bikes and my motorcycles. With this, even though it's really, really small, you can't just like pull up onto the sidewalk and park like I'm used to doing. So there were times where we'd have to circle around and, you know, look for, for parking spots for like 10 minutes. Um, the other thing is that it doesn't have the same storage as a real car. So, uh, you know, we flew in, so we had our bags with us. We had, uh, you know, one like uh, carry-on trolley suitcase um, and one backpack and the the car fit those, but if we had had like any real luggage, it wouldn't have worked. You know, there's no trunk. The most of the storage is at the feet of the passenger, which is, you know, pretty deep. We fit two bags there, but still like there's not, not a lot of storage here. Well, first of um, all, first of all, I want to congratulate you on uh, having your wife deal with the luggage while you hold the camera. <laughs> it was uh, uh, demonstration purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Um, but I also like, that's an interesting layout. I, I had no idea that what, like, uh, we'll try to go back to this, um, where you guys were kind of sitting. I didn't realize how far back you were. It kind of looks like you get to have like a table in the front or something. Yeah. So the dashboard is huge. There's sort of like three trays up there. Uh -huh. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird because the, the windshield is so far away from you that, um, it's, it's a very strange feeling the first time you get in it or the first day or two, because the, the whole dash and everything is so far away in what is, you know, looks like a very small car. Um, one of the reasons for that is that the car is, um, entirely symmetrical front to rear. And so like, there's no separate bumpers or separate fenders. It's like one mold for the front and it's the exact same piece on the back. That's they crazy. just put red lenses instead of, um, 
clear lenses. So that's why it's got that sort of like weird extra space in the front. Um, the doors, same thing. There's only one door design. And so it opens backwards on the driver's side. A lot of people call it suicide door. Um, and then the passenger side is normal. And that way it's the same door. They just take it around and bolt it on the other side. So you only need one mold for the door, all the glass symmetrical, everything is, is entirely symmetrical. So it's, it's another way they cut down on cost and get this thing down to like 8,000 bucks, which I mean, when you look at it, it's, it's, you know, it's not a full car, but like it's effectively like a tiny little car. So to me, that's, that's a great price. Um, you know, obviously not very powerful. It's like eight horsepower, six kilowatts, um, small battery. I think it's five and a half kilowatt hours. So you, you, you get a claim to 75 kilometers, about 45 miles though. In actuality, it's a little bit less, you know, knock off 10% for like real world, um, losses, but all in all, I found this to be a super useful little vehicle for going around the Island. And it was a good, like sort of, um, use case for it just like in a city where if you think about like someone who just stays in a city that's effectively an island to you if you're not getting on the highway and so for us just being able to go around all the you know the ring road around the island um, obviously through the middle these crowded streets places where there are like you know big buses and vans and a normal car couldn't squeeze through we would squeeze through just fine so i totally get why people would want one of these tiny cars if you're doing like really urban driving or potentially like uh, driving around a tiny Greek aisle. Um, one, one thing that was kind of funny is we actually got uh, routed onto this. Uh, my wife called it a donkey road. It was basically like, just like uh, it wasn't even a gravel road. It was just sort of like rocks strewn around. And I was a bit worried because for one thing, this doesn't have a spare tire. So, you know, like you got the four you got and that's it. Like take care of them. Um, but it actually handled the off-roading quite well. We took it slow and, and it was fine. Um, here you're seeing the, the charging issues I ran into. It's only level one charging. So we eventually did find one charging station on the island that had a wall outlet so that we could level one charge it. But um, uh, without level two charging, you've got to make sure that somewhere you've got a wall outlet to plug into like a garage or something. Uh, here's the, uh, the quote unquote donkey road that we got uh, directed onto. That's feasible. Yeah, I mean, you can make it work. You can see how this is not what the uh, the Citroen Ami was designed for, for sure. We put that suspension to work. Have you ever been in one of these uh, like tiny cars like this? Uh, I mean, I've been in a smart car. I've been in a gem. Uh, I haven't been in. An so this Ami. is probably similar to the gem, then I would say. Yeah, because the smart car is like a real car in that, like, it's technically a full motor vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like stadium chairs kind of kind of thing. Right. <laughs> or like in the arcade, those driving games where you got that, like, hard plastic chair. That's kind of like what it felt like. You know, I'm actually kind of surprised that, you know, these hills were not, were not a problem with the... Uh... You said eight kilowatt battery or eight, eight kilowatt motor? Uh, six kilowatt. Six kilowatt. Motor. Yeah. So um, I'm actually, you might notice I'm alone in this footage because my wife didn't think that it would make it up the hill. And so she didn't want to come on the, <laughs> the hill climb challenge. And so I went up the hill myself and I was pretty confident, but I wasn't like sure it was going to climb that mountain. In the end though, it actually worked. Uh, it was a little scary because it was like a 22 switchback road up that mountain with no mm-hmm. guardrails. 
And I was just like, man, I hope these Citroen brakes hold on the way back down because it's going to be a doozy. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so all in all, I, I would say yeah. this this is a you know fully functional vehicle for someone who just wants to stick to urban driving, you know, 28 miles an hour, 60 to 70 kilometers, like 40 miles. I can see the use case. And for us, it worked great. For someone who needs more than two seats or needs to carry more than like two backpacks, it's going to be a hard sell. Uh, Safety-wise, are these uh, up to car standards or are they kind of like a three-wheel vehicle or, or, or something less than that? Yeah, absolutely not up to car standards. Okay. Um, there's, there's no airbags. Um, you are effectively the crumple zone. Gotcha. I think someone put in the comments, like you can improve the crumple zone by wearing like thicker shoes. <laughs> um, so yeah, safety is a, uh, I don't want to say it's an issue because obviously everyone tries not to get into a wreck. Right. So like, right. you know, like most people aren't going to have to test the safety of it, but you're also not driving on highways and, you know, you're not going at speeds above 28 miles an hour though actually oh so this is a fun little anecdote here um i actually got it up to like 45 miles an hour wow um but not the way i expected so when you go down a steep hill because there's regenerative braking when you get over 28 miles an hour it like kicks on the regen so i only ever got it up to like maybe 29 30 miles an hour on a downhill but there was one day where we charged it i guess at the top of a hill and then we went down towards the coast and all of a sudden, I, like we're going faster than I thought when we, you know, just took off the charger and we're and we're driving down the hill. And I looked down and we're going like 55, 60 kilometers an hour. Eventually, got it up to I think seventy three or seventy four kilometers an hour. It was like forty five miles an hour. And I realized what happened was because the battery was full, the regen wasn't working for that first few percentage points. And so it was basically freewheeling, like when you take you know a bike down a big hill. And, uh, so it was letting me go just as fast as gravity would take the thing. And that was wild. It was like, you were in like a roller coaster doing 45 and one of these things. Yeah. And I'm surprised, uh, Citroen doesn't have like good old fashioned, what, uh, caliper brakes, uh, enacted when you're going down the hill as well. Oh, to, to like auto prevent that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so there are, you know, mechanical brakes, but yeah, they, they certainly don't auto engage in that situation. I mean, it's a very rare thing like what are the odds that you'll like charge at the top of a hill and then immediately go down a big hill i just got super lucky that we, we wound up in that exact situation yeah that's cool i uh you know i'm in paris right now i, I might try to go find one of these yeah yeah absolutely um you might even like just find a, a rental place that's what i did when we were there i just looked up um like what kind of cool electric rentals are around in this place, you had to scroll to like the very bottom of the car list, and there was this like one little Citroen Ami. So you might uh, find some interesting rentals. Cool. Uh, so let's look into the comments here. Uh, I think a little bit early on looks heavy. We're probably talking about that Yamaha bike. Yeah, there was a, a beast. All right, uh, James Harrison. Rumor has it that Ride One Up is adding a folding bike. Any insight here? I can neither confirm nor deny rumors about said bike. Okay. We'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, we have a question about the Cybertruck. Uh, come back in about four hours. We'll, we'll talk Cybertruck with Fred. 
And then finally, Extra Hero says, my main question is, Micah, is you and all your loved ones okay regarding the current events? Uh, We know that you're based in Israel, in Tel Aviv, uh, and it's been kind of crazy there. Yeah. um, Yeah, things things are not great here in Israel. Um, Fortunately, um, me and all of my immediate family are safe. Uh, we did have some close calls. Uh, we had a family member at the party in the South um, that was able to escape. And so everyone is, is currently okay. But uh, the idea of okay has, has kind of changed over the last few weeks. So I certainly appreciate you checking in. Yeah, certainly hope uh, everybody stays safe, as safe as possible there. Absolutely. We're, we're hoping for better days. Yep. Uh, okay. So on that note, uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we had a number of great stories this week. We're looking forward to even more uh, next week. So make sure you check back. We'll be back in another uh, two weeks with the next episode of the Wheelie podcast. See you then everyone.